welcome back to This Is Our Story. You have joined me, Kieran, and my sister, Briar, as we uh, talk about some, some of the things that we've experienced over our life. And in particular, at the moment, we've been focusing on our early life experience growing up in country New Zealand, up in the far north. You've just joined us in our last episode. You might have thought that we it may have been quite a brief vague overview and that's mostly because my memory of that time is so uh so bad but i think this next chapter in our lives is actually very important to our development as into adulthood the the teenage years so this is uh well chapter two really uh the teenage years and this is really where we were first introduced not okay that's not that's not true not introduced but we we were kind of really i'm I'm hesitant to use the word but indoctrinated in kind of many of the things that uh, became very kind of stalwart parts, foundational parts of our lives um, over the next 10 years or so. But anyway, before we get into it, welcome back, Briar. Anything uh, interesting to share? You, you were saying before you've, you had been delving into the, the old Plunkett book. So if, you've <laughs> missed, if you missed that last in our last episode, the Plunkett book is a, a thing, a book that it's like a medical history book, generally for kids. Um, yeah, like I don't know if they still exist these days, but it's just a record of any notes from when you were born or any when you were when we were taken to the to see the nurse and stuff. They would write notes. Now it would all be electronic, so perhaps we don't have them anymore. But <laughs> uh, back then, it was the nurse would write a note, and it, they would also note vaccinations and such. And for some unknown reason, Brian still has hers which literally has a kind of like a birth card thing in it. Yeah, go figure. Anyway, so what have you discovered, Briar? So this um, this was a little excerpt out of the book. So this was in January of 87, but this just goes to show what it was like in the 80s. <laughs> um, Another world. And Yeah, and this is advice in the Plunkett book. It says, bringing up children is a big job and it's not all lovely. Even though you love your child, there will be times when she makes you mad. So mad you hit her far harder than you meant to, or shout and growl more than you'd like. A parent can easily break a baby's bones or hurt her head by hitting. And words hurt too. If you call a child stupid and no good, often enough she'll believe it and give up trying to do better. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see, smacking was quite common. So, it's so passive aggressive. It's not like... <laughs> Don't do it. Just, yeah, it's just you do should it gently. be aware. <laughs> Hit gently. <laughs> yeah. Not too Speaking hard. Speaking of, we didn't actually talk about this last time, is that the, the whole discipline thing for us started mm. at a very young age. Um, that So mum and dad would give us the smack. Mm. <laughs> Has a different meaning now, smack, but <laughs> not, that, not that kind of smack. Um, we had a, a specific spoon that, had stay, that stayed with us throughout our whole childhood and even teenage years you will be surprised to hear uh where, mostly me not so much you because <laughs> i was a good boy of course yeah <laughs> um favorite child. child and all <laughs> but there yeah so we would mum and dad were very big on on discipline but they were also very particular in the way that they administered it so they never wanted to use their hand and they, they told us that quite early on actually they wanted us to understand that we would they would never hit us with their hands. It was always <laughs> it always had to be removed by by a spoon, <laughs> which was way harder. Um, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so I mean, it started out with wooden spoons, but 
but then they would they just kept breaking <laughs> <laughs> apparently i was so naughty when i was a kid probably the last time i was naughty <laughs> when i was really young they used to give me a medicinal snack every day <laughs> just to um just to remind me who's boss i guess but you know it was very um some very traumatic memories actually from from getting disciplined but mostly the lead up to it right it was the anticipation because (laughs) we'd be out and if i was naughty or if we were naughty mum would always say something like just wait until we get home and dad dad and dad will give you (laughs) dad will give you the smack and um i remember grab you under the arm and he would he would come home from work and have to give us the smack. And so, of course, as soon as he walked in the door, it would be like, I'm the sweetest child you've ever met in your whole entire life. The <laughs> and being the kind, hi, Dad, <laughs> trying to be all cute and cuddly. Imagine dealing with that, though, like coming home, you've worked, you've had a hard day at work and you probably, you know, quite excited to see your kids. And then to be told, <laughs> no, 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 you're you're on smacking duty tonight. <laughs> It's so it's so messed up. But you, but we knew that if if Mum said you know your father will deal with you when he gets home, you knew that it was, was so bad. Yeah, that Mum was actually scared of how hard she was going to hit. Yeah, you I knew. mean it's a bit messed up. But in terms of the shades of messed up, it's kind of more on the lighter side, I think. Because I, I mean I've heard many stories in my time of oh, yeah, pe- sure. people who have, you know, experienced much worse in the way of discipline. Like mum and dad never used any other, anything else aside from the one spoon, <laughs> the one plastic spoon that um, to, you know, to punish us. Um, mm. So I guess there was this whole thing in, in growing up in church about uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. And that was a very big part of their philosophy of parenthood so that they perhaps didn't do a lot of things like in terms of trying to teach us things about life but i guess they did teach us about discipline and respect and so Mm. i guess i could be grateful for that but uh yeah many memories of the the spoon didn't have a name but it was just the spoon plastic spoon that stayed in the same place and all mum had to do was rattle it in the um, (laughs) utensil jar (laughs) and you'd you'd shit yourself and you'd run away upstairs and shut your door yeah yeah (laughs) and i you know what i always very clearly remember dad saying this hurts me more than it hurts you (laughs) and i'm like no it fucking doesn't (laughs) (laughs) you're just like how about you bend over and i give you a few good wax (laughs) Yeah, I don't think this is that. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do remember, like, because if it was really bad, we would both get it for for fighting, which did happen quite quite often <laughs> mm. later on when I learned how to be devious. But uh, where we would like go in and compare smack marks. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's Always on the bottom. Than yours. The bottom. Bend over. Bend over, this hurts me more than it hurts you. (laughs) Yep, the trauma. Anyway, so this this episode, we're focusing more on our time after moving from Kaikoua to Kirikiri. As I explained in the last episode, Kirikiri is a very different town from Kaikoua, very kind of middle, upper class, white predominantly. Um, Very rarely would run into anybody who wasn't white. Uh, And it was at this time we started out when we first moved to Kirikiri, I think we still were going to the small country school in Pakaraka. 
but yeah. after all the bullying that I experienced, mum and dad decided to, to take us out of that school. And then uh, I believe at this time we had switched to a church, an Assemblies of God church in Kitty Kitty, and it just so happened that this church had a school attached to it, uh, a Christian school. And basically for mum and dad, this was like their perfect it was the perfect scenario for them. It was a, a church that was run by people that they knew in the church, run by the pastor. He was also the principal, the sl- <laughs> pastor slash principal, which now as in, in you know, as a trained teacher myself, looking back at this, there's just so many things about this particular mm. school that just are messed up. Um, but we'll, yeah. we'll talk more in detail in, in this episode of the, about the school itself. But, yeah, we became very dedicated members of this church and it was just a natural progression where they decided to send us to the school which was a private school and it was expensive but it uh, was important enough to mum and dad that they send us to a place where we would be protected basically and then trained in trained up in the way that we should go to use that biblical term it was probably far from it actually uh yeah i mean there there are many things that were wrong with the school uh, but yeah we'll get to that <laughs> so yeah we're going to this assemblies of god church which um if you're in church you might understand um it was kind of on the, it was a part of the pentecostal movement the, the assemblies of god church was part of the pentecostal movement which is not traditional it's not a traditional church it's a little more bit more f- well i mean this was i suppose for the time yeah modern mm. and more free-flowing than your traditional church. So, uh, say, uh, a Protestant or a Catholic church is very ritual-based, where you go from one ritual to the next, and there's a very central figure who controls those rituals. Uh, In a Pentecostal church, it's more run by a pastor, but a pastor, as, as much as they have a position of authority, it's a little bit more flat in terms of hierarchy, because the idea of Pentecostal Christianity is that everybody has immediate access to God wherever they are at. And uh, this, it, it's just a very different feel. And so this particular church was where really where us as a family and for, for us as children were learning about God. Um, and previously we were just attending school. We were just too young to really know anything. But I think at this particular church is where we actually started to learn about God and apply it to our own lives. And especially once we were put in to this Christian school. I don't know if you want to just, let's just spend some time describing the school at a very, I'll just describe the school itself, Brian, and and then I'll hand it over to you to talk about more about what we learned there. So the school itself was small. So imagine that the church and the school were all in the same grounds. And when we joined, there might have been about 60 students there. Um, of different ages from kindergarten all the way up to senior secondary. I feel like it was less than that. Um, uh, Well, it decreased over time, but it was approximately 60 students. And we, there were only three classrooms, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, at that time. One for the kind of middle, uh, like upper primary and secondary were all together, I think, at one point. And there was primary entrance there. Yeah, there was a primary classroom and then there was a new entrance classroom. Mm. And the building itself, like I said, was attached to the church. And so a lot of our activities were, there was a very 
vague gray line between a church activity and a school activity. A lot of our things were done in the church building. And so we we were just around church constantly. In fact, got to the point where you wouldn't be able to really tell the two apart. Uh, In terms of the grounds, it was quite a nice setting for a school, like quite a large outdoor area around. It wasn't really designed as a school. The school had definitely been an afterthought, but there was a there was a small field for us to play um, sports, but not definitely not a proper field like a quote unquote normal school. We had a basketball court and um, then there was a, a large outdoor um, area, a section, a little bit of bush that we used to play in a lot. Uh, it was it was quite nice. In, in hindsight, it was quite a nice place to be as kids. Uh, there were restrictions on what we could do. But very, very much so. This was a school context that it seemed like the people who ran it were just making things up as they went along because the rules kept changing about what we could and couldn't do in the space. So now, now that we're talking more about the school, the physical school itself, Brian, you want to talk about the curriculum and, and <clears throat> how that worked? So I was nine when we first started there, so you must have been about 11 or close yeah. to it. So the curriculum was based on an American, also Christian, I don't know what you call it. Well, okay, well, it's called Accelerated Christian Education yeah. or ACE. It's a very traditional, I don't, it would definitely be connected with some kind of Christian movement, traditional tr- Christian movement in the States. Mm. Um, maybe more, almost like a Southern Baptist kind of thing. It was quite a very yes. traditional. Mm. And very traditional ideas, very, all the content was Christian based. based, Yeah. And so it was nothing you could ever really imagine school would be like, you know, in a public school system, you would have, I don't know, at that young age, you might have reading and mat time and um, do a bit of writing maybe, and it may be more, a little bit more play based. Whereas this was from even from uh, the new entrance, they have these books. You'd have your, you know, mass, English, social studies, science, and one called word building, which is like kind of like an extension of English, well, spelling. Um, and those were sort of your main five subjects. But the books themselves, I personally felt like, like I wasn't academic at all. And it was so easy just to go through these books because on the left-hand side, you'd have a page like, uh, where you'd read, and then on the other side would be sentences with blanks where you had yeah, to fill was, in the blanks. It was reading comprehension tasks. Yeah, basically, but yeah. all of the subjects were the same, basically. So you'd just read, and it, you're not even really learning. You're just um, you're reading over it. Yeah, memorizing. And so it was the same when it came to the tests. So the tests were pretty easy. So throughout and, and, the and whole... just to, to like back up a second, the core tenant of this particular curriculum system is that teachers do not teach. They Boy, supervise. No, they don't in fact, they're not called teachers, they're called no. supervisors. Yeah. And you didn't necessarily have to be a qualified teacher. Which a lot of do... them weren't. Yeah. So, I mean, we did, in order to be registered as a school, we did have a couple of registered teachers, mm. but they didn't really teach. But to be honest, they probably didn't yeah, even really know how to teach us because it wasn't like your traditional blackboard where you'd write and, and sit as a class and discuss things. It was 
we had our own desks with dividers on each side so we couldn't yep. look at the person next to you it was very much uh, it was like you it's like doing homework at school and that's why this particular curriculum is often used for homeschooling students because it's not about interaction it's not about learning from other people it's very much you stick with the books you finish the book you do a test and and that's it and you go on to the next book that is the next level up and basically yeah you'd have these dividers and then if you needed any assistance or you so we had a central marking station to, at, at each certain points you'd have to get to that point and, and then you have to go in the students were the ones marking their own work uh, yeah and people so the, cheated the all the time so yeah easy. <laughs> the teachers literally didn't do anything they sat at their desk well that they, they weren't teachers that let's be clear they're just yeah. not teachers and you would put up a little flag this is crazy you put up a little flag up on in your a little hole in your divider to call You'd attention have two different to the kinds of flag remember. the teacher would come across and they would very briefly inspect what you'd done and then give you permission to go and mark your own work. So there was literally no real educating going on. Uh, it was just all based on how good you were at reading and memorizing answers. So you were screwed, really, if you weren't a good reader. You know, some some of the kids there didn't come from, you know, great backgrounds, or they may have had learning difficulties yeah yeah that's it learning difficulties, they, yeah, it learning difficulties did not exist in the system mm. and as and I, they weren't we catered for in the slightest yeah and as we pre previously mentioned in the last episode i was a gifted reader and a gifted studier and a very interested in, in gaining knowledge and so i excelled um but even even for myself system. i think like i have never been academic but i think because we both you know, our parents valued books and reading. We had access to books constantly. We, we were good readers, so that system probably <clears throat> suited our style maybe. But just when you look back at the long run, we didn't really learn anything. Yeah, um, I don't have – I don't I don't get anything from it, if I'm really honest. No. I gained a passion for history. But, so the thing – okay, just take a step back a little bit. Uh, so the, the other key thing about this system is that you're allowed to go at your own pace. That was the key. So you weren't necessarily divided up by grade level or or age even. It was just all about uh, whether you could or it was how, how fast you could complete a book. And the idea is you just keep going until there are no books left. And once you finish those books, then you would choose you would get to choose. I mean, there were different levels. So there might be 10 books to one level. Uh, for example, I don't really remember how many, but once you finish those 10, you'd go to the next level. And once you'd run out of levels, you got to choose your own subjects. And because I was such a natural reader and I had a good memory for reading and things that I'd read, I just got really far ahead. And uh, I was able to choose. It gave me freedom to choose a lot of history subjects, which is something that I'd always been interested in, as I touched on last time, uh, you know, about war and such. And so, yeah, I did get opportunities to pursue other his history subjects but they weren't great the, and it was american history fact, as the well. quality of the material that we were doing was not great and of course as as we said just before it was a lot of christian material through there there was no very closed uh to other ideas so it was very creation based we didn't really learn real science no. it just didn't exist and because we were in church constantly as well when you were you being 
told this literal Bible history, like history literally based on the Bible, and anti-evolution, anti-Big Bang, anti-science. Um, you know, the scientists are all out to get us by coming up with all these stories. And we, um, we didn't do any, sci- you know, like a typical public school has. No, like You'd go no to science, science and, you know, do all those yeah, experiments. We had none of that. Apart yeah. from we had the um, we had an old guy that used to come in a caravan. Yeah, and that, like that was once only a for month, like, I think. Yeah, I think that was for one year, maybe, or even less. Uh, there were just there were no facilities, no real school facilities at this at the school, and yeah, it was really tough. And I didn't know I didn't know how tough it was at first, but as I moved further through the through my well, not didn't even have grades right, but as I got older. Mm-hmm. I started to realize just how lacking our school was when we started to make friends with people who went to other other schools in the area, which mm. had everything, and that that was really tough. Mm. But I uh, but I do have very clear memories of we had this thing called honor roll. So <laughs> honor roll was basically about those who were academic. <laughs> were academic, yeah. So that it was a literally based around test scores. So if you had a, a uh, an average above 88% yep. or something? No, it was, you had to do a minimum of three books per subject if, over the whole term. So three books in maths, three in English, and that was the yep. minimum. <clears throat> so if you were academic, you would fly through that. Yeah, but I think <clears throat> it, there was also something to do because we oh, we had gold stars. Don't you yeah. remember this? We had stars. Yeah. It was a red star for less than 90%, I think, or 80. 80, yeah. Um, and then a gold star for anything above and they used to count these stars and that would get you on the honor roll and if you were on the honor roll you got to go on some kind of class outing or trip with all the other people on the honor roll so fucked up because there are some people who literally <laughs> it was setting never, you up to fail right all those kids that some were never literally never it. got on that list yeah. and i got in i think almost all of them maybe i missed out mm-hmm. maybe once and it destroyed me like i was so gutted and w- one particular memory I have of that time, I was trying really hard to finish off a book. I'd had a hard term. I'd been failing in maths. And actually, this is really important for me because I ended, this time is what really cultivated a real distaste for anything math related. And because you didn't really get support from the teachers, oh, right? Because no, they didn't know what, or, you know, yeah. didn't know what they were doing. So yeah. uh, so. I remember trying to finish off a book in time for the honor roll cutoff and I just boosted my way through a book, got it all marked, ready to take up to my supervisor, the principal slash pastor. He's had a lot of role role titles actually. And (laughs) anyway, he said that wasn't good enough and he rubbed it all out and some eight or half a book, I think he rubbed out in front of me. So I mean, what a, what mixed signals, Jesus. Like when you're trying to encourage people mm. to achieve academically, but at the same time, only when I say that you can. It was just all control-based. Control mm. And I do think that uh, the school had a lot of control at its centre, uh, which is very connected because it was so connected with church life. And we we couldn't – the fact that we were being, quote-unquote, taught, taught by our pastor – made it very difficult to question anything uh and and what I, it, made it really awkward as well was you know we're in that building six days a week 
and our parents were friends with the pastor. So sometimes on a Sunday, you know, we would be at their house for lunch or whatever. The boundary lines were very um, confusing. Yeah. Very confusing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very awkward. You sort of didn't almost really know how to behave. You know, and it's like you can't tell me off. It's a it's a Saturday or a Sunday. Like you're yeah. not my teacher today. Um, and mum and dad were very strict on that we treat the pastor and and his wife basically as teachers. All the at all all interactions were were to be respectful. So mm-hmm. we were never allowed to call them by their first names, and we were never allowed to question. We always had to be super polite, and it wasn't like that for everybody. Like all other adults, it was just them in particular. So it was a very confusing relationship that we had. Mm. That particular, his, so the this guy and his wife, who was also involved at the school, and to this day, I still have problems with mm. them. Like I couldn't imagine being in a room with them because I came away from that whole school experience with some definitely some resentment. I mean, other things that from memories from that time, Winnie the Whale. Yes. So corporal punishment was not uh, an issue when we first started. It wasn't until later on that it became out, outlawed. I don't know if that seems dramatic to say outlawed. <laughs> <laughs> become illegal well, to hit anybody at school. Although, because we were a private school, I think we somehow managed to escape with getting, we did get away with some things. Mm. Um, but yeah, Winnie the Whale. So if we got in trouble, if it was serious, or I don't know, I didn't even. Can't, I know you had it. I don't know if I did. Yeah, but um, I don't think so. You were too much of a goody two shoes. <laughs> I was I, the rebellious I, I was one. Secret, I was secret rebellion. I but, was just straight up. <laughs> I didn't but hide yeah, it. So so things that were considered <clears throat> serious. But Winnie do you want to know what I got my one for? So I think I only ever got it once, but the reason why I got it, which sounds so stupid now, but it's because I wasn't doing my homework and I wasn't doing it. It was because I found it hard. I wasn't academic. I didn't get, I used to leave that subject till very last at school because I didn't enjoy it and I struggled with it. So then I'd have to take it home for homework and I couldn't complete it there because I didn't know what to do and my parents couldn't help me do it either and so I was punished I mean this was repeating uh, repeat offense I guess you could say is because it was always the same subject and I wouldn't do it at home because I didn't know what I was doing and so after many times being told off and getting detention for not doing my homework dad was called in to come in from his day's work or you know while he was at work to come and punish me and smack me with this Winnie the Whale <laughs> so it's so it, honestly it, yeah it is and it blows my mind like that this actually happened yeah. it's so surreal but yeah. and so you know you'd go into the office and the principal would talk to you and giving you a dressing down and then and I, and I think this is know, how they got, a, a, got head, a, away with the rules because it wasn't it was the parent, them doing yeah. it it was the parents yeah it always had to be the parent and then then the principal would leave the room and then I'd be bent over my dad's lap and smacked. And then you'd have to go back into fucking class acting like you hadn't been crying <laughs> for getting a smack. Actually, I do have a very vague recollection of uh, the principal giving me a, a smack on the hand. I do actually remember that. 
now that I think about it. And that that was I do remember me and and a few other boys who'd been quote unquote naughty, <laughs> and we all got a smack on the hand. Yeah, that was yeah, it was a bit more than a bit messed up. Uh, but what I mean, what I looking back, it was re- that time in my life is really strange because it was such a small world and so many things about that time are so mixed up with each other because church life and home life and hobby life was all tied up with the same people and the same places and very small circle of people very 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 small circles but the only time that i really kind of got out of that circle was when i was playing soccer so i'd started playing soccer when i was really young in kaikoura i I don't really remember remember much about it but i was very passionate about about soccer or football as i prefer to call it um but i remember playing with a team um, that was from the local high school and quite traumatically i so i got selected i was i was quite good i was got selected for a rep squad and part of that squad was the boy who actually the father of the boy who used to bully me at pakaraka school mercilessly and um that was already awkward because i hadn't really dealt with that in my younger years and then all of a sudden it was just all all in front of me and then that boy actually ended up joining the team and this football coach he was a very kind of old school english guy who was very passionate about football and really tough on us uh, in the way that english football coaches often are and i found that really challenging but it was my only experience really about meeting people outside of outside of those church circles and i do remember very clearly his dad i had to they gave me a ride home because they lived not far away from us in pakaraka and i remember him saying look i know that you and jimmy have some history and i just want you to just get over it <laughs> and that was it <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> this guy this. who like bullied me horrendously for for literally years was like just just get over it um and that kind of really messed me up and it really i didn't have a lot of confidence as much as I loved the sport. I didn't have much confidence in myself personally at that time because it had just been beaten down on me. And I definitely had, had was being bullied elsewhere. But interestingly enough, at that school, I kind of, I became a bully at that time as well. And I started being quite mean to some of the younger kids, which is in- interesting, not surprising, but interesting. What what do you remember? Do you have any specific memories about about school itself? Um, I mean, this Christian school was where the bullying started for myself, um, which is ironic, really, that, you know, our parents withdrew us from a public school to put us into a Christian school, and I just got absolutely bullied so badly, like, to the point where, I mean, I remember going home sometimes and just crying and just wanting to jump out the window of our two-storied house like it was that bad yeah so that was I hated school I really did and the people that we used to hang out with in school often went to the church as well so again that very small circle and then you know after church it was quite common for for people to invite you over for lunch or whatever. It's quite social after after church. You go and get lunch and you hang out together. And, I mean, I vividly remember being 
effectively excluded from, you know, all the kids my age would be like, oh, do you want to come to the river and we'll go for a swim or whatever, but I wouldn't be invited. And I just remember being so upset by that. But, like, I had good friends in the school as well. That's where I met my my best friend, Anna, who's still in my life now. And we did lots together in school and outside of school. She lived just up the road from us. Um, and she was a big influence on my life and probably sort of kept me going through those really rough times of bullying. And she was sort of my voice of reason and the stability I needed probably at school because I wasn't confident at all either. And, yeah, I think I spent lots of time in, in hospital too due, due to health reasons. And so, so, yeah, I think all those things kind of, um, which I was bullied for, of course, at school, that really knocked my confidence too. And um, I think at that time I remember feeling like, Maybe it was because you were being bullied too, I don't know, but I felt like, oh, Kieran doesn't even stand up for me either, and so I felt so lost a lot of the time. Um, I think it was during these years that we, you and I, drifted apart a lot because I, yeah. I had some friends, but at the same time, like for me, it's it's quite a mixed set of memories because on, on one hand, I know that I had some friends, but at the same time, I know that I was desperate to, to try and fit in, and I never did. Mm-hmm. I was never felt like I was cool enough uh, and I was always trying to impress, but I was always on the periphery. So, for example, I'd have sleepovers with some of the guys from school and, you know, they'd be playing PlayStation and all the mm. watching movies and stuff. And I desperately wanted to be there, but I was always on the outside. And mm. I do remember those years as being very lonely. And but it's just it's the... funny because like both you and I were lonely at the same time, but yeah. we didn't want to have anything to do with each other. <laughs> no. But also the friends, the boys that were your friends were probably in that group that our parents probably didn't really want us hanging out with those kids outside mm. of their supervision so they could see what was going on. Like their families were maybe a little bit rougher, maybe a, a bit more relaxed in terms of Christianity. Yeah, a bit more worldly. Yeah, or secular as our parents probably would say. So Although we had friends at school, they couldn't control, you know, who we hung out with at school. But outside of school, they probably weren't that keen on you hanging out with those boys. Yeah, well, I I do definitely remember one guy who joined our school who was very much an outsider in every shape and form. And um, I became friends with him because I maybe I just identified with him a little bit at that time. But he... He he didn't have any he didn't have parents I can't remember for what reason but he lived with his grandmother and I became friends with him um, as a Maori boy I don't know if you remember him he was he wasn't there very long but I remember having a sleepover with him and then staying up late because he had no rules set for him by his grandmother he could do whatever he wanted which is quite a new experience for me mm. and we stayed up late to watch the the Spice Girls naked performance this <laughs> 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 was like my first experience doing anything kind of a bit naughty um and 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 because of the time you know it was, it was pretty um what's the word pretty tame by today's yeah. by today's standards but back then this was massively exciting for for a teenage young teenage boy to be watching this um these goddesses up on stage <laughs> supposedly naked even though they they weren't really god this is ridiculous thinking about it now 
but I mean, I guess that kind of takes us just reminds me of some of the other things because this is when I think we really started to notice some of the restrictions that we had on us in comparison to other families. Uh, and I think music was a big one. So this was a time of life when I was really discovering music as something I was really passionate about, both playing. I played a lot. I played the drums at that stage and started playing drums in church quite young, about age 11, I think. Um, and so I was just passionate about music. And, and you were self-taught, basically, and all of those things, weren't you? I still remember yeah. you, you know, everywhere you went, you were drumming on walls and the yeah, stool and the bench Someone, top someone and... bought me a, a set of drumsticks when I was really young, and I just kind of would hit anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like when I would come across music, and then at the same time, we weren't allowed to listen to anything that wasn't um, acceptable by, by mum and dad's standards, which were very strict. So the only things we were allowed to listen to were the Christian radio station, Radio Rima, um, which yeah. had very little music at all, though, to be honest. Yeah, um, mostly talkback. <laughs> um, and um, Radio New Zealand, which is, I don't know, like the BBC, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty boring. Pretty boring yeah, stuff. For kids, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that whole idea of, when we were getting exposed to these different ideas about life, different ideas about opinions about music and things like that, it was just interesting to see what we developed in terms of what was bad and what was good. Mm. So, for example, I had very strong views about certain types of music that made me feel uncomfortable because I thought they were morally bad. Mm. Like, I can't remember. I can't think of any specific example. Uh, oh, even okay, things ve- like I have rap, very clear. Right? Actually, I have a very clear recollection. A uh, rap, like hip hop. No yeah. way. No, no way. That was the devil's music. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have a very clear recollection of Backstreet Boys. And at this stage, I had a friend. We were best mates, and then he he was allowed to kind of listen to whatever he wanted. And mum, my, my our parents did not approve of this, but they couldn't say anything. They just were very clear on what, what I wasn't wasn't allowed to listen to. Anyway, he discovered the Backstreet Boys, and he was trying to convince <laughs> that it would be okay. And so then I <laughs> had to present a case to my mum, to our <laughs> mum, about why Backstreet Boys would be okay for me to listen to. And Philip's mum also helped by saying, just like I remember very clearly – going reading the booklet because it was a cd of course the 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 lyric booklet and they're reading out the the words (laughs) and she's saying oh it's not that bad it's just a love song and you know oh they're actually christians you know and that was always the 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 what's the the golden the golden word uh, the phrase you know that would kind of make things okay they're christian but then it got to you know everybody everybody (laughs) (laughs) and you know the you know the chorus, but it got up to, am I sexual? <gasps> that, oh, turn it off. That's it. We're done. <laughs> we're done. And I, just the look on mum's face was one of extreme discomfort. And that was it for Backstreet Boys. No more. <laughs> <laughs> no more Backstreet Boys. Um, and then, so Philip was also the one who first introduced me to trance music as well. Years mm-hmm. later. Uh, the first, the kind of very early on. He showed this to me and it was, back then, it was very kind of 
oh, I can't you can't even I can't think of words to describe it, but it's very airy and just heavy bass and then lots of French talking. <laughs> but because when I listened to it, because by that stage my moral compass had been so firmly ingrained by by mum and dad, I just it made me feel uncomfortable to listen mm. to you that it was possibly demonic. <laughs> so where did the love of Michael Jackson come in then? Because I feel like that was with uh, Oliver from the much, early much years. Earlier. That was Oliver, and I don't know why mum and dad put up with that. Because uh, I wonder if that was more with, like, at Oliver's house listening to it, because I feel yeah, like they wouldn't have agreed. the dancing aspect. They didn't – mum and dad were kind of innocent about that stuff. They didn't really get it. And generally, Michael's Jackson stuff was quite kind of innocent, I suppose, as as love songs. It was yeah. when they started hearing the stories about, you know, his his dodgy business, that's when we started to not hear it so much around the house. Mm. Yeah. But I mean we didn't we didn't have music around at home though, really. I not until like maybe mid teens did you know, we started buying CDs and having our own collections. But it was always well, CDs it was like, from the Christian Yeah, mum and dad stuff. But then dad would you know, we grew up listening to Van Morrison and Kenny G, you know, Dad loved that kind of stuff. And he that, still loves it. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. You know, that's not strictly Christian. Yeah. Well, it's not even, so I don't know well, where. Well, I do remember Mum and Dad having an argument about whether Van Morrison was singing to God or singing to a, a woman. <laughs> 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 and Dad was trying to convince Mum that actually he was singing the song to God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, like I said, naive. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, music was was a tricky thing. I do remember sneakily listening to um, other radio stations in my room, um, and that's the only time I was really exposed at home to other music. Uh, but then hearing mum, mum and dad come home from work, because you remember we were at home by ourselves a lot, hearing them come home and then quickly switching it off, so they had, and then switching it over to I don't know Radio Rima. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Trying to think, do you have any other memories from that time that stand out to you? Not that I can think of. I mean, there was lots of times that we'd hang out with friends, like, and have the sleepovers. But even I remember going to, like, how you were saying it was so deeply ingrained it made you feel uncomfortable. Like, I remember going to a friend's house who, again, their parents were probably – a bit more loose with the rules and they were watching oh what's it called steve-o what's their um oh jackass yeah jackass <laughs> so we were watching one of it must have been like one the of the early ones the things that mum hates <laughs> yes and i think the particular scene where he strapped meat to his balls and was hanging <laughs> over a pit of crocodiles or something <laughs> And they were snapping up, and I was like, I remember walking out just feeling like so dirty and disgusted with myself that I had let myself slip <laughs> and watched that. But everyone, you know, all our friends were there. I think it was maybe a, a group from youth group. Um, so everyone was there watching, and I was like, why is no one else walking out? Yeah. Um, I think there was, but that was again, very the early compass. on we had that, that guilt reflex mm. um, that – kind of ingrained because not all parents obviously were as strict but we had thought it was just normal that mum and dad were doing it the right way and I think it took a really long time for me to lose that guilt reflex whenever I sure. saw something that that I knew they wouldn't agree with 
I mean, some of the other things we didn't get as as throughout that period was like we didn't still didn't have a TV. Although I have some of my best memories actually of that time um, where mum and dad would allow me to hire out a T. Well, we had to borrow the TV from from the school. That's the kind of school it was. You could borrow a TV, borrow a TV from the school and then hire out a, a, a PS2 and then a game, usually Medal of Honor, um, <laughs> and then playing with my friends nonstop all weekend until we clocked the game. <laughs> and like that. Those are good memories. So I appreciate that they allowed that. But then at some point, because during these years, I was obsessed with war and war stories, war books, history books and everything that actually might. I do remember dad trying to convince me to stop because he was concerned that I was too obsessed with war. And, and dad has always been quite a peacemaker, a pacifist. And like he wouldn't allow me to read my my war comics, my commando comics on the way to church, for example. Mm. Um, yeah, to cloud your thinking. Yeah. We must um, have had a, I don't know if it was if we'd hired one, but we must have had because I do remember we had lots of VHS like David Attenborough stuff that we used to watch because that was yeah, uh, you know, yep. general audience stuff. So we We must used have, to take it to grandma's house, I remember and watching there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah like Milo and Otis was a classic. Yes, it was a favorite. Yeah, yeah. the incredible journey. Yeah. This is kind of like, well, there's actually been more to talk about in this particular time than I was expecting. So we might have to mm. take a break there, um, but then mm. probably delve more into some of the, some of the, more on the church stuff. stuff. We talked a lot mm. about the school experiences, but probably getting more into church and to youth group, um, which is a really key time for, for both of us in a lot of ways in terms of what the way that we thought about the world and also the way that my life was hitting was very much guided by those experiences so i'll probably yeah we'll probably just leave it there for a moment and then we'll come back and continue this conversation and i feel like we're getting a little bit more specific into what we're talking about in terms of big topics as we get in a bit older it's it's almost like we're on a, a real like a real journey of life because yeah. as you get older obviously you, you start thinking more deeply about things and it's like this is happening in real time um, which is interesting but this this is a is a project that will evolve over time for both of us, and mm-hmm. hopefully the purpose of it will become a little bit clearer as we get on as well. But there is a lot to share, and I think in the next little while, when things start getting a little bit weird in terms of the religious aspect of our story, um, so stick around for that. Thank you, and um, I guess we'll catch you next time. Ciao.